Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Mega Pickles. I'm your host, Chris Dickinson, along with my dilly dilly friend and Canon Explorer of Light, Bruce Dorn. How are you doing, Chris? <laughs> I'm doing just fine. I, I'm I'm getting a little tired of this refrigerator. I think we need to. Uh, I think we need to escape. I don't know where to. Somewhere, somewhere where we could we could just like relax and be our full. Uh, realize our full pickle potential. Well, I feel like if we got down to the bottom shelf in the far back edge of the refrigerator, nobody would notice us. Yeah, we could do whatever we wanted then. <laughs> I don't want. Hey, think you about guys. What that would be. But, yeah. <laughs> this uh, on this episode, we're talking about problem solving, and it's it's a little bit more abstract. But we're talking about those times that have really challenged us in our careers, uh, on shoots, in business, and uh, I'll I'll start it out, Bruce, by by saying this: problem solving. I love this title because it totally plays into my abstract definition of what I consider a professional photographer. And that is not somebody that makes a living at this, but someone that has the time, the talent, the expertise, and probably most importantly, the troubleshooting ability to create a great image, regardless of the situation that they find themselves in. And really, for me, that comes over time. It's not something that, you know, we've been at this for a year and ta-da, I'm a master photographer, whatever that means. But over time, we develop, uh, we, we get better, our intuition develops, and we, we're able to create those images um, that are impactful to us, regardless of the situation that we find ourselves in. A business owner from a uh, professional photographer, from my perspective, is a business owner. And that's a different mindset and sometimes a different skill set than being a professional photographer where, I, you know, I sure, I love getting the accolades. Um, you, you get your pat on the back, the pat on the head, and that's great. But the business side of me is hey, I also want to get paid for this too. You know, I need, I need to pay bills. We need to feed our family. We, you know, we have mortgages and truck payment and stuff like that. And the business side of me is thank you for the compliment. Now, you know, X amount of money or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you get out the door, you hustle all the time. Mm -hmm. To me, that's the professional side of what we do. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's um, kind of the business model versus the artist model. Uh, it, it is a way that I think would be interesting to explore this. Uh, the businessman looks at photography as a uh, service slash product uh, um, creation uh, opportunity and can look at it and go, okay, with this investment in tools uh, and this investment in training and uh, this investment in creating a portfolio that warrants uh reward i can reasonably expect to make this much money if i you know you can break it down you can approach it as a businessman would i know nothing about that because i'm a terrible well i've become a pretty good businessman but uh only by sneaking up on it from the side um but you know i've met a, a number of studio owners who had a really great model really great business model they figured out exactly how much they needed to uh, charge for this and for that service. And, and, you know, they can, in some cases, even delegate some of those tasks 
so that they can make money off of someone else's labors. Uh, makes perfect sense. You won't last for long in that if you don't also have the artistic component where, because, you know, there's in any, any business you get into, there's other practitioners offer, offering similar services. And at a certain point, you get picked on the shine. You know, it's just like going into a car dealership. This one appeals to me. That one doesn't. And uh, it could be the same money, but they're, uh, you know, one of them's a SUV, one's a minivan, one's a sports car. You can spend the same money, but you get a very different thing. Um, approaching uh, the business of photography from the side of, uh, from from the perspective of being an uh, a creative first and a, a, a businessman, a, a distant second. Uh, my, my thing was always to try to do something that uh, pleased me enough that I would be interested in continuing it. You know, creatives tend to be uh, distracted by shiny things. Squirrels set us off, you know, <laughs> and, and anything that could take you down a road of distraction is something that we, we embrace completely. But um, it's, it, it's, it's also, uh, that sort of, uh, free associative mind and that capacity to sort of go down those rabbit holes happily can be a great asset to your business. It can be more important than your, your camera kit. Um, over the years, one of the things, well, number one, I always try to do stuff that I like and then try to find people that like it as well. And if I can find people that like it as well as I do, then I can usually talk them out of some of their cash, uh, and end up in what I consider to be an ideal situation. I'm doing what I want to do and I'm getting paid for it. Um, as soon as it becomes a commercial thing where your, your, your commerce is the first word in commercial photography and it you, is. you have to make it pay for itself and make sense, um, you know, it, it starts with listening. I do have over the years done a tremendous amount of work. The bulk of my work has been with ad agencies or design firms and their clients. And I've very, very often run into a situation where uh, they could be at loggerheads. They come to me, or they approach multiple production companies, and they say, we got this car, beer, sandwich that we need to sell. And we, uh, one of them thinks they should do it this way, another one thinks they should do it that way. They can be at the point where they're ready to award a job, and they've got uh, a concept, and it's pretty well fleshed out, and everything sort of makes sense. But neither of them is, is completely happy. You know, the client doesn't quite understand why the agency has chosen this particular approach and or the agency can't understand why the client won't see their perspective. And you come in sort of as the tiebreaker. So my first thing is always to uh, educate myself, to become knowledgeable about what it is that, that we're doing here. Are we selling a burger? Are we selling a car? What are the features? What makes that burger or car special? So... It's, it's known in the advertising industry as finding the unique selling proposition. You know, back in the day, Volkswagens were sold. Uh, the quality of Volkswagen was sold on the concept of they are so uh, airtight, they'll float. And, and that, that tr uh, kicked off a campaign of this bug sitting out there in a pond floating. And, and it's the most inappropriate kind of image in one sense, but it was very memorable and it sold a shit ton of Volkswagens. Uh, <laughs> Um, so I, I, I love that part of the process of, uh, 
listening to what the, the, the both sides have to say, uh, free associating some ideas, brainstorming, kind of getting them unentrenched, sort of getting them out of their, their, uh, the ditch that they're each stuck in and offering up something that maybe neither of them have thought of before. And, um, there's a lots there's lots of knowledge out there on this subject matter how to prime the creative pump but that's something that we need to sort of each take on ourselves uh i i think it's a, a tremendous uh exercise to uh just create a problem for yourself and and go out and try to figure out how to do it grab something from the barn grab something from the house and see how you could celebrate it you know, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and that could be an article of clothing. You know, you got some hiking boots, got some, your, your girlfriend's got some brand new hiking boots. Okay. We're going to do a hike. We're going to pretend like we're doing an ad for this hiking boot. And it's, it, it has all of the components that you need to address minus someone telling you, you, you you're wrong or fighting <laughs> you every step of the way. But you know, you could probably arrange that as well. If you're in a relationship that's on the rocks, that shouldn't be too hard, but um, yeah. So uh, coming up with some uh, projects in which you have to, you have to uh, create something that is uh, interesting and compelling and doable for a budget, you know, Everybody thinks if I had more money, I had more cameras, I had better location, I could be a rock star at this stuff. I I, I think it's particularly interesting to take kind of a, a, a well, not kind of a super ch- a challenging situation or location and making it work. So spinning flax into gold, tur- turning chicken uh, shit into chicken salad. Uh, yep. addressing all of the uh, the problems that you would have when you actually have a client on site looking over your shoulder. Do it when there's less pressure. Put the pressure on yourself. Give yourself a timetable. But work up some challenges. Well, it, troubleshooting is a big yeah, is a big feature in that, and it's such a it's such a valuable tool for each one of us. And if I'm thinking about problem solving in particular, uh, while I'm not, I'm not a wedding photographer. The weddings that I have photographed have all been referrals, and to that end, I don't have any uh, bride or grooms that. I don't know some somewhere I have a personal relationship with them through, be it through another friend or something like that. And the reason that I bring that up is, um, I I've been able and fortunate enough where some of the folks that I've photographed their weddings, they've asked me to set everything up as far as location. We want the best lighting. So you choose the location and one in particular, um, troubleshooting and problem solving. Uh, One was uh, off in a forest, but it had a great line, a great line of trees going through it that had been mowed down, which provided this great leading line, you know, through the, the tall pines. And, you know, looking at the location, especially when uh, where the sun is based on the time of year that they're going to be getting married uh, will dictate what time uh, that they'll get married. Maybe it's mid-afternoon or maybe it's morning or something like that. But, you know, definitely choose the best for them. 
And when it came time to set everything up, we got it ready. And the one thing that's certainly out of our control to a large extent, especially with an outdoor wedding, is the weather. Mm. So yeah. wedding wedding day came and wouldn't you know it, clouded up and it's it's getting rainy out there. Mm-hmm. And the bride is uh, she's you know just beside herself, getting makeup on, dressed, you, you know, the whole deal here. Mm-hmm. And and I said, you know what? This is a great opportunity. And from what I've been told, rain on your wedding day is a good omen. I said, number one. Number two, I, I immediately, it started raining and they're up on a platform. I immediately thought, oh, I'm going to add a backlight to this because this is just going to be epic. I, I am going to enjoy this. So it changed her, it changed her perspective, changed the paradigm just a little bit where instead of being depressed about kind of a gloomy day, we could, we can make some you know, out of the chicken shit, we can make some chicken salad. And, and sure enough, they had a big cross at the back of their uh, platform that they were getting married on. And I was able to backlight that. It wasn't a heavy downpour, but it was enough rain that allowed that backlight to just show up. And it was something unique that I, you know, had never done before in a wedding. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, super proud of those images. Yeah, I, uh, oh, gosh, weddings contain all of the problems and all of the opportunities that a photographer could ever expect or, <laughs> or fear encountering. Um, fear, had, yes. Yeah, I had uh, uh, the handful of weddings that we did were all interesting. I don't know how that came to be, but uh, one interesting uh, event after another. One On one occasion, we had a... a uh, a couple, the, the bride contact us, contacted us. She was a uh, photojournalist in uh, Florida. Uh, turned out she's a Native American, maybe Seminole Indian gal. I'm not, I don't remember specifically, but she was also goth and so was her, her groom. And uh, I was just so thrilled when, we, when they reached out to, to talk to us about coming out to shoot the wedding because they were going to shoot it at, uh, one of the old witch trial villages in new England, like Salem, Massachusetts wow. or something wow. like that. And, uh, it, there were more piercings and, and, and more, uh, tattoos and more, uh, body modifications than I've ever seen in one place. So right away, it was spectacular, uh, from that perspective. And then this location, uh, which was spooky in its own right. Uh, they, it, they were, playing it up completely full goth regalia the little flower girl everyone wore black the little flower girl was just uh creepy as wednesday from the the monsters or adam's family whatever that was you know and um they intended to do it in the graveyard you know so we're in the graveyard uh oh wow at at, right at uh, dusk and you know it was an old you know with the 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 gravestones toppled down and spooky looking trees with no no leaves so it was just like a candy store for me i was just so excited about that and then enrolled the electrical storm and i'm going even better you know Uh, i I only wish i had a lightning trigger so i could have timed it but it was striking so and i was going maybe someone disapproves of this wedding but the lightning was striking so close that we had to move inside and i'm going well 
crap, there goes the, there goes all that fantastic opportunities of getting married in the graveyard. But I found in one of the, uh, uh, buildings that, that was on the site, there was a fireplace that probably measured, uh, eight feet high and 15 feet wide. So we built a roaring bonfire in front of it and shot the, the ceremony in front of, uh, the fires of hell. It was, it was just so cool looking. And, you know, in hindsight, it was probably way better than what we would have gotten outside because we would have been struggling with the light and the distance and the, the setting sun, you know, it was getting pretty grim, uh, in terms of the, the available light to shoot with even before the storm rolled in. But this other opportunity inside was just as good. And then we got one after another. And what really happened was, uh, everybody knew that we were there to have fun with it. And that opened the door to a lot of creative opportunities. Communication okay. is critical, whether it's oh. a commercial client, uh, yes. you know, a one-time amateur client, which is basically the wedding, uh, situation. Um, you want to establish right off the bat that you're going to try to do this stuff. You're going to go for this. These are the kind of things that you have, but you have to get them to agree to the fact that if you can make it better, you're going to make it better. If it's uh, super challenging, you're going to do everything you can to make it as good as possible and that you need them to be on your team about it. And I've found that the more that you have that kind of communication with your clients, whoever they are, the better it's going to go because, uh, Nobody likes to be surprised in moments of stress, but if you talk about the exact same things in a more relaxed uh, situation, everybody's fine. So, Well, as far as communication goes, I, I just cannot agree more with that, Bruce. I, mean, I know we've talked about it on, on previous episodes as well, but um, I, I recently shot another wedding and, you know, I, I don't say I'm a wedding photographer, and, <laughs> but, uh, weddings just tend to be the, the massive problem solving events that you can really, um, uh, gain experience from, uh, and probably one of the highest form of compliments that I can receive is somebody wanting me to pick the location for best yeah. lighting and things yeah. like that. I mean, mm -hmm. that is, I, I find that ex just su such a compliment and this couple, allowed me that latitude as well. And while we, while we both, uh, were communicating, all of us were communicating, they said, here's where we're going to have it. We're going to have it at this guest ranch in Southern Arizona. And this is what it looks like. And so I went to Google satellite and I'm immediately looking at where's the sun going to be? Uh, what kind of space are we in? Uh, and, and I said, all right, this is the location that I feel is going to be best for lighting, but I have to reserve, you know, 15%, 20% until I get boots on the ground. And if you're not working with a wedding planner or something like that at the facility, and we're able to make changes on the fly without a great deal of, uh, work involved. And I'll be darned if if we didn't get down there and and get boots on the ground, and I changed the location. You know, mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't where I originally uh, saw that it it should have been. You know, according to Google Satellite, once I was down there in the courtyard, yeah, no, it's got to be somewhere else. Uh, we'll find a different place for it, and we did, and. And it worked out beautifully, you know. I mean, go back to you know some of the things that you and I have 
have talked about not only in the retreats, but even in other episodes um, about cross light, mm-hmm. you know, having, having a cross light location where, you know, they're, they're constantly going to have some type of, of good light on them to some degree, you know, whether so that, and ultimately that's what I chose. It's, uh, it's always uh, important to control expectations you yes. know, when you're working with somebody who's going to give you dough, you want to, everybody wants to uh, over deliver. I'm not saying under promise so that you can over deliver with average work, but control expectations and make everybody understand what that, that we're all on the same page. We want to get this. We want to get that. Uh, I've noticed that some brides still sort of subscribe to that thing that the groom must not see. They've lived together for five years. They're getting married, but he can't see me on the wedding day because that's <laughs> bad luck. That actually goes back to when uh, old times when you'd have a, a veiled bride and the father was actually marrying you to the ugly daughter rather than the beautiful <laughs> one you thought. That was the only reason you didn't see him was because they were trying to do a, a bait and switch. You know, <laughs> that's, that's actually the history of that. But, uh, um, on anything that you do, you know, uh, or anything I do, I always try to make sure that I scout it, um, mm-hmm. within a couple mm-hmm. of days of when I shoot it. Now that there are all these, uh, great, uh, sky apps that tell you where the sun's going to set. Exactly. I mean, you can look through your camera. It's going to set between those two trees and then you can go, Oh, where's it going to set on June 15th? Hey, oh, it's going to set over there between those two buildings. You, you can figure out a lot of that stuff in advance, but I always like to go and look because even though I may have shot a location multiple times, like I shoot a lot in the Granite Dells here, I shoot a lot in Sedona, just different things. I like to go see what's going on because things change. And that uh, takes me back to a story of a, a big commercial shoot that I did when I was working in Hollywood, had to do sell some product. I, it was probably a car intro and we were at, uh, I think we we're up in, uh, one of the national parks up in Washington or Oregon and, uh, had worked out all the permits with the Rangers, you know, it, 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 doing commercial work on federal land. Some it, it's easier now, right now there's not so much, uh, uh, commercial, um, baggage that you have to do. I'm sorry, uh, permit baggage that you have to deal with on shooting in national parks and so on, but you still have to deal with it because you can't get your shoot shut down because some ranger suddenly went on a rampage uh, about seeing you out there. But, uh, we were getting ready to do this big job and had everybody and everybody was probably 50 people, car prep guys, drivers, and all this stuff. And we're all set to go and we show up at the location and it's on fire. They had just, they had the whole time they had a control burn scheduled. So, so my background was either flames or dense smoke. So talk about a mad scramble there. Thankfully I had, I had like multiple locations that I had considered for this particular shot in the uh, collection of shots. And so we, we did a, a mad scramble because I mean, literally you got over there and they just torched it off, you know? And, and I turned to the Rangers and I go, couldn't have mentioned this, could not have mentioned this for, you know, I wanted to strangle the guy because they all knew it. And somehow they didn't think it it had any relevance whatsoever because people don't think the way we do. You're going to be over here shooting. The fire is over there a quarter mile away. Well, the quarter mile away is, is five miles away is in our shot, you know, but, uh, that, that was a mad scramble. And in the process involved the same ranger being 
more and more trouble. He tried to arrest the stunt man for doing a U-turn while he, the ranger, was controlling traffic so he could do a U-turn. He tried to arrest him for uh, uh, reckless driving, doing a U-turn over a double yellow. And then the the, the stunt driver said, hey, I got to catch up with the crew. Ha ha, funny. You can't be serious. And he took off. And then he was fleeing a federal officer. No. Oh, man. Oh, it went on for years. Uh, I mean, the poor stunt guy was in court on this thing for years. Uh, Anyway, and this was the same uh, ranger that we needed to shoot down on the shore of the lake, which was conveniently located uh, near a big pullout where we could park all the production vehicles. So we only had to move maybe uh, 100 yards. Uh, to yeah. get down to the shooting location. And then he announced that we were not allowed to traverse that section of grass because it was, uh, it was, uh, elk forage and, and they were concerned that we would trample the grass and, and reduce the amount of forage for the local elk population. We, we literally had to hire a helicopter to t- pick up stuff and move it a hundred yards so that we didn't put our feet no you didn't oh Oh. yeah Yeah. no it's 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 crazy but um yeah problem i i could probably be do 40 episodes on uh (laughs) crazy crap that made you have to think on your feet but it's a big it's a big part of the fun as long as you can sort it out and get it done right it's a big part of the fun being the hero the problem solver and i think it affects absolutely every aspect of our business. There's going to be a time when uh, your clients suddenly come to a screeching halt. This thing that was a big income flow for you suddenly peters out for one reason or another, and now you've got to have another plan. So uh, being able to be resilient and resourceful uh, is one of the key components to being successful at anything and in our craft in particular. Well, from the business side, you know, just the simple things like being able to um, go back and look at previous year's invoices or being able to efficiently do it. You know, yeah, I can go back and look at invoices, but is it efficient for me to do it? And how, if it's not efficient, you could be sitting in front of your computer for two hours to look up a couple different invoices, mm-hmm. um, even having even having software um, that allows you to do that, um, making sure the, that you have a good process between how you bring in money and the way it's swept to your bank. Mm, yeah, because mm-hmm. ultimately you have to have uh, you you have to have accurate accounting because mm-hmm. at the end or beginning of the year, of course. You do your taxes, and if you're not efficient at that, it, it will bog you down oh, yeah. considerably. Oh, yeah. um, problem solving and troubleshooting through those things can be so daunting for people, especially those that aren't um, computer savvy. Mm-hmm. Let's say, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, they they just know that I use this to get that, and it goes to my bank, but something in between there happens, and you know, forgot to allocate out. <laughs> The window. Yeah. Forgot to allocate a certain amount of that fund to taxes that are going to inevitably catch up to you. But yep. uh, yeah. And, and uh, you, you just made me think in terms of looking back at the year and, and uh, trying to uh, manage expectations for what you might be able to do in the business this year. Um, 
growth plans. Maybe you're going to buy that new piece of equipment, or maybe you're going to try Mm -hmm. a studio, get in a studio space, figuring out all that stuff. Uh, As freelancers, there's one thing that we seldom take into consideration, and that is our own mental health and and, uh, actually sort of recharging the batteries. Uh, I was our, our buddy Stevie. I was just talking to him recently, and he he stays as busy as he can. He's in the growth uh, phase of his work and uh, does the lovely stuff and is building his client base. But he's also a young married guy and uh, want to enjoy your life with your wife and do all this. I I recalled that there was a studio in New York uh, when I worked out there. They'd always close for the month of uh, July because. It's hot in Manhattan. Most of the decision makers that buy commercial photography are off somewhere in having a holiday. And I ran into a guy who was smart enough to shut down his studio for a month so everybody could take off and recharge. As freelancers, we never, ever uh, can know what's – it's hard to plan doing something a month from now that isn't work-related because – the yep. job of a lifetime could come rolling in. You have to have uh, family members that are understanding of the fact that, hey, we got to make hay when the sun shines. If we don't, yes. be, if we don't get the crops out of the field before that big storm, we got nothing. So you 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 got to always sort of put the job number one. But you can look back and see what happened in your in your past few years. Oh, February always sucks. Screw it going to take three weeks off in february and just let everybody know uh you can plan that kind of stuff you, you don't ever want to surprise a client by not being available because if they got a deadline they're going to get the work done and whoever they use last is new they're now new favorite so uh a wise practitioner takes care of themselves but make sure that their clients understand that they haven't disappeared off the face of the earth with that, we are the Mega Pickles. You can find us on Instagram at the underscore Mega Pickles, and you can find us on anchor.fm forward slash the dash Mega Pickles. Leave us a voicemail, leave us a comment. We want to hear from you. Bruce, we've been problem solving this whole time. Oh, it's yeah. been great talking to you, my friend. You too, buddy. I'd look forward to getting some. Uh, um, messages from our listeners on uh funny anecdotes from stuff where they had to think on their feet i'd be curious to see you know you drop that telephoto lens off of the balcony right during the middle of the wedding (laughs) and now (laughs) not only are you an idiot but now you've lost the main tool you were counting on for the whole day i'm sure everybody's got a good story i'd love to hear them well, with that, we're going to hop back in our pickle jar. Maybe uh, maybe if we move back and forth fast enough, we can rock this thing down to the uh, bottom floor, huh? I don't know. You're pretty optimistic. I, I, I'm worried about the other condiments, personally. <laughs> but, but I think we can take them. Get out of our way, mustard. Yeah. All right, buddy. Next time. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.